In this episode of the Sam Mays Podcast, this is 40s edition, Sam sits down with former Sooner softball pitcher and owner of Be Complete Athletics, Nick Dennis, and the legendary Wes Sims to talk about mental health in sports and in our lives after 40. They also talk about how to raise competitors and the current OU softball program. We'd like to take a moment and thank our title sponsor, Nature's Key. If you're interested in the CBD product Sam is using, visit keytonaturesblessings.com and use the code Mays 2022 for 20% off your order. If you're interested in sponsoring the podcast, reach out to us at samonsports at gmail.com and use the word sponsor in the subject line. Hope you guys enjoy it. Jackson's of Kingfisher is a family-owned and operated dealership in Kingfisher, America with the motto, come join the family. And when they say it, they mean it. My family and I have been embraced by Casey and the Jackson family from day one. And I'm here to tell you that if you're in the market for a new or used car, truck, or SUV and want a straightforward, no-hassle car buying experience, Jackson's of Kingfisher is the dealership for you. Give them a call at 866-695-8010 or check them out online at jacksonsandkingfisher.com. And right now, if you mention the Sam Mays podcast, you get $500 off any used vehicle on the lot. Jackson's of Kingfisher, come join the family. Welcome. I'm Sam Mays. Today in the Sam Mays Podcast, this is 40 edition. We have Nick Dennis. She's a former Sooner softball pitcher, a licensed professional counselor, and a pitching coach, owner of the Complete Athletics. Be Complete Athletics. Is that right? Uh Uh-huh. Very cool. Nick, how are you? I'm good. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to talk to you. This podcast is going to be great. And anybody over here knows who this big lug is, Mr. Wes Sims. How are you, sir? Good. Thanks for having me. So Good to be here. The... um, we're going to talk about Be Complete Athletics because that's got its own story, and I'm so excited to talk about. But the yeah. reason why uh, we reached out to Nick was to talk about mental health. Yeah. And I think there's no better way, to, you know, for athletes to talk about things like this than with another athlete. It's like a comfortable sure. thing for me knowing that you've experienced some of the same things that I've experienced because I have struggled so much with this new age conversation surrounding mental health and athletics Mm -hmm. it's like we grew up at a time where water made you weak and you know like that that mentality is if are you hurt or are you injured um don't be a sissy and and worse words than that you know what i mean and you just we just learn how to push through those things and so now when i uh, see athletes take sabbaticals from their sports and they reference mental health i'm like i don't get it i don't understand it what does that what does that mean and so i'm here with you and wes to get better I okay. want to get better today. I want to know, leave this conversation feeling better about having conversations on air, having conversations with my kiddos. I've got young kids getting ready to start competing. Yeah. And I just want to be, I want to be helpful and knowledgeable and not feel like every time this gets mentioned, I'm this grumpy old man that just doesn't understand sure. what's going on. Yeah. Awesome. I think that's, this is going to be great because I think there's a lot of people in the same boat as you. It's just, it's hard to understand And I feel like, you know, thinking of those athletes like you're talking about, it's easy to armchair things that are super complicated. And it happens all the time. Like football games, people are like, why'd they call that? Oh, my God. You know, and it's like fun. But at the same time, there's so much that goes on behind the scenes that we don't know about. So Absolutely. Yeah, this will be great. Absolutely. Okay, Okay, so before we dive into that conversation, I've got to, we've got to talk a little sooner softball. Yeah. Uh, The girls are 16 and 0. Uh, they just run rule Minnesota in the uh, this, the home opener there. Yeah. It, it's like a force of nature. I've never quite seen anything quite like Oklahoma softball. It's insane. It's insane. I use them as examples all the time to the girls that, that we coach. I'm like, do you see them? Do you see those girls' eyes like when they walk out? Like they are. They're machines. They're, they're not taking any pers- – like no. they are ready. It's yeah. awesome. It's uh, – Patty Gasso has kind of set the – the tone there for years and years Legend. and years. Yeah. I think started what 1995. I think might have been her front of her so. first couple of years. And yeah. uh, you were there in 03, 04, right. 05. So you're just a little bit younger than than I am. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the machine. I mean, they win that title in 2000, and since then it's been nothing but World Series appearances and success. Oh my gosh, insane. Yeah, um, yeah. I came in 02, 03, right behind the 2000 national championship, and during our time. I think we well we didn't have any national championships. Obviously, we came close. We got to the World Series. We were there when um, they were changing the structure a little bit. So my freshman and sophomore year, we made it to the World Series. Okay. 
But it was like a, you go to regionals, you go to the World Series, you play the tournament, and then it's winner take all in the game. And then junior and senior year, they changed it. So then they put in the super regional format. So you win regionals, go to the super regional, which is like a three-game series, and then the winner of the Super Regional goes to, to the, the World, World Series. Series. Okay. And then the championship game is a world, or a, a series of three games, best of three. Um, so that was like a weird, you know, that was brand new to softball. And so we were right in the middle of that change. And I think looking back now, I'm like, man, that was like kind of a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Like yeah, they were changing it. But in the moment, we we're just like, all right, this is what we do, you know. So, um, so that was really interesting to be a part of that time period and, and help kind of figure out how to go about that um, format. So. so you have a pretty interesting story, as you know, the Google machine tells all. Yeah. Uh, you, in 2003, I think, yes. had a heart condition yeah. pop up mm-hmm. on the mound yes. in Waco. Yes. And you finished the game. Well, it, yes, we were in College Station. That's right, that's right. double header. And Waco um, was next. Waco yes. was next. Yeah. yeah, so this is like perfect kind of like conversation for what we're going to talk about, too. Um, I remember pitching and then I remember like, you know, your adrenaline's pumping and my heart started beating really quick. I'm like, okay, cool. This is, this is just the game, you know? And honestly, even still, I can't even remember what happened in the game. I just remember what was going on inside of me. And I was like, well, I can't say anything. You know, I shouldn't say anything about this. And the game ended. We lost. It was semi-close, I think. I don't even remember, but we lost. Um, oh my gosh, there's so much about this story for you <laughs> that we could talk about. Um, so then we get in the bus, drive to Waco. I remember sitting in my little seat on the bus being like, this is, this is not right. You know, my, my heart Your is still, still racing. going, yeah. you know, and I'm like, surely it'll slow down. Like, cause I didn't want to not play. Like I didn't want to not be considered to be in the lineup. Right. And so we, we keep going, we get to the hotel, we have dinner, still haven't said anything. I'm still sitting there like. Oh, my gosh, you know. And I, so for the people at home, when she says our heart was racing, it's 170 beats per minute. Yeah, it, we were close to 200 beats a minute, Wow, I think. That's yeah. like, I can't, I mean, my, you could see that through my chest yeah. if my heart was beating that hard it right was, now. So, that's, it, right. so it was like that from the time you left College Station all the all way the through way dinner. Waco. And you drove to Waco, obviously. Drove to Waco at dinner. And then finally that night, I'm in the hotel room, and I'm like, I should probably say something. So I knock on our trainer's door. And I'm like, you know, just just for fun, would you check my pulse real quick? And she looks, I remember she looks at me and she's like, how do you feel about the emergency room? And I was like, oh my gosh, are you serious? Yeah. And like my face went white. I'm like, no, no, I don't want, just thinking about playing. Right. Like that's all I was worried about. Right. And uh, anyway, so we went in the entire bus to the Waco emergency room, <laughs> me and the trainer, and she played it down. So she was so calm. She was so great. Um, and I think she told coach, like, it's fine. We're just going to check her out, you know. And then they, like, rushed me to the front. It was, like, a busy night because I think it was, like, a Saturday, you know. So it's, right. like, popping in there. And uh, I, I can't even remember. But I just remember being rushed around, and they gave me some sort of injection, and it made my heart slow down. Um, but then after that, like, I was basically on the waiting list to have, um, oh, I can't even remember, ablative therapy. And apparently Oklahoma City is like one of the leading places for this. Oh, <laughs> like wow. It just seems to be that. Thank God, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So the rest of the season I was out, but that June um, got, you know, kind of put on the list right away. So I got to have the surgery and it went fine. Um, but yeah, just crazy, you know. So like, this is something you could have died. I could have been one of those athletes that you just hear about like, wow, this, you know, soccer player just fell over and died from a heart. No, like signs of it nothing in my no family. family history that's crazy yeah so anyways very very crazy <laughs> well we're, ha- we're happy that you're here and happy yes. that's not a part of your story um but yeah it just it's the first thing that popped up and i find myself immersed in this this sure. story about your heart and i'm like holy crap sure. you know? and, and it like i said I, I love how you mentioned this will tie in later because i want to talk about moments like that too yeah. all right yeah. so let's let's kick this thing off with a question okay, okay. what is mental health Oh, man. Uh, So mental health, gosh, I would say is just being able to to function, right? And everyone, there's so much going on behind the scenes, behind the eyes, like 
that people can kind of like skate through or like white knuckle through, you know? So it's things you can't really see what's going on with a person, but if you're struggling to get out of bed, if you are nervous or experiencing anxiety for no apparent reason, or maybe for a reason, like, you know, being an athlete, we go through things that create anxiety. It's good anxiety, right? right? Excitement type thing. Um, But if it's something that's affecting your day to day, you need to talk about it. Like that's where something's going on, you know? Um, and that can be different for everybody. Like some people have really severe mental health issues if we're talking about schizophrenia or bipolar disorder or like severe depressive episodes. And it can be something that's just minor, like an adjustment type disorder, which that is literally a disorder in the DSM, adjustment disorder. What does that mean? <laughs> so if you're going through a pretty a big adjustment, right? So if New we're job. talking about... Yeah. Marriage. Right. Okay. College athletes. Baby. Sure, baby. Um, Athletes leaving home, going to college for the first time. So that freshman year, and I say this to all of our kids, all of our parents too, that freshman year, you have this whole batch of kids that for 90 days, according to the DSM, are experiencing an adjustment and are more prone to anxiety and depression. Already. Right? Already. Just because it's a big change and when you go through hard changes, you're more likely to be like, oh man, I miss my friends. Oh, I miss my parents. Um, And then if you have an athlete too, that's like already experiencing a generalized anxiety or something else going on, it may hit even harder. So that change, um, becoming a college athlete, freshman, leaving home for the first time is more stressful than a lot of the things we experience in our lives. Having babies, getting married, um, just those coping skills, you know, like you're figuring them out and you don't really even know who you are, you know, like learning who you are, your personality, leaving home, um, experiencing the world on your own for the first time without mom and dad, like encouraging you or influencing you. So there's a lot of changes that are exciting, but can also be, you know, really stressful (laughs) for the freshman athlete. So when you, I mean, just, you know, Wes and I just having guy conversations over the last two years. We, sure. you know, experience our families experience COVID somewhat t- together. We, you know, okay. we, we, we were part of our, each other's circles. And, um, I just feel like every human being on the planet right now probably needs to have a mental health evaluation oh considering gosh. what the last two or three years have been for sure with COVID, with uh, the social justice conversation, with yeah. everything that's happened in this country. And around the world, I think all of us probably need to take a second and get that evaluation done, right? Oh, yeah. Everything totally. has changed a little bit. Yes. Right. Not, I know the attitudes within my own household have changed since COVID because it's kind of restructured how we've had to do everything. Yeah. So yeah. It's a, I, I'm sure it's the same everywhere else, too. So. Yeah, for sure. I mean, talk about adjustment, right? Like COVID hits and then you can't go outside. You can't do your normal things. And you have to wear a mask everywhere and you have people that are sick. Like it's been crazy. <laughs> so right. then everyone's on social media, which is a whole other thing oh that I think boy. creates anxiety and, you know, um, just feeling really self-conscious and all those things that these kids that are going into college are dealing with have now amplified. So yeah, it's been a very crazy couple of years. I tell everybody, I'm like, everyone should have a therapist. Right. <laughs> Everyone should have an hour a week where you go and just talk about yourself and what's going on, your thoughts and everything, how you view the world to someone who's completely objective, has no dog in the fight. You know, they're not trying to encourage you to go one way or the other, but can just help you process things. Um, so healthy. It's, I, I like to compare it to a personal trainer, you know, or a coach. If you're trying to get in shape on your own, you could do pretty good but if you have a personal trainer that's like experienced and can map out a plan for where we need to go and why you're just going to make progress faster you know you're just going to get yeah, 100%. a hundred percent better at yeah, it. Yeah. Every, everybody needs somebody to talk to. i agree a hundred percent i know yeah. i do I get, yeah. right I'm talking to him i think we both need that and yeah and i think everybody in my family could i mean <laughs> same yeah it's it's just uh, it, I, I think that everybody could benefit from that um mm-hmm. but it's just crazy times right now it's crazy i times. went back to the doctor this morning i had to get blood work done and i had to wear a mask i was like it's the first time i've had to wear a mask somewhere in a while and i was like well i mean it is a hospital but yeah it was just strange putting it back on sure i felt awkward everywhere i went mm-hmm. yeah i um I'm wondering, you know, for the person that's a naysayer, 
right? Because, like, we're here at the Edge Sports Fitness. This is where I train my coaches around here somewhere, torturing a kid, I'm sure. Uh. Um, and, you know, it's easy. I've been at this now for four or five weeks. I'm down probably 25 pounds and five inches. Like, I can yeah. see the difference, right? I can see where this training and having a coach and uh, doing it his way is impacting me significantly better than if I was out there just trying to run around my neighborhood and do it myself, right? Yeah. When you're talking about mental health, there are some people out there that would tell you that, well, every therapist that you go to is going to diagnose you with something because they want you to come back. They want to they wanna see you again. Like, mm-hmm. I just feel like it's a, it's a, a science mm-hmm. that should be respected 100%, but it's very easy to not respect it. Yeah. I, it's fairly new. Not new, but, like, there's so many advances so that are happening so fast. Um, the neuroscience piece of it is really interesting to me, like your brain scans and what happens in the brain when you see a depressed male versus a depressed female, and there are differences in what that looks like. Um, but you're right, and I think part of that is insurance, which sucks. Like, right. <gasps> I just hate yeah. that because you have to have a diagnosis for your insurance to pay for it. And, you know, everyone's experiencing some sort of anxiety in some way, shape, or form, you know. Um, I think about the medical marijuana cards and the doctors trying to diagnose, you know, because they have to say, like, oh, here's a reason why you need this. Like, well, they're all for it, and everyone's everyone's stressed out, you know. Right. So, uh, in a way, I see that side of the story, absolutely. if it weren't for, I wish it was just available for everyone because I think that's why that's there. Like, I think insurance is the reason we have to have that diagnosis. Right. You know? Um, but at the same time, like, I'm very, with my clients that I see, I'm very collaborative. And I'll tell them, like, from my perspective, we're doing awesome. Like, I think you're doing great. And I think we need to go to every other week or once a month because you need to be able to handle this on your own. Like, right. that's the goal, right? That you become your own therapist. And when you need somebody, you're, I'm always here, you know, but I don't want you here all the time. And that's not everybody. Like right. there are people that have very severe mental illness that are going to need to be in therapy every week, all the time. Um, or, you know, come uh, drug addiction, that sort of thing. Meetings, they'll go to those, the meetings and, and that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, your average everyday person, if you can be okay and handle this on your own, awesome that's the goal that's what we're trying to do right mm-hmm. would you okay so how would you recommend someone find a therapist okay how would you recommend because oh. you know the internet will tell you yeah a therapist near me and there's 27 in my neighborhood you know sure. what i mean like how, how do you go about finding the right fit for you yeah because we're going to talk about the athletic side of this here in a minute but i'm mm-hmm. talking about just jim and joe and Susie and Brittany, anybody who's at home right now yeah and they're thinking about it and they want to know more what's the best way to go about and do yeah that? well i mean google's great um psychology today is another great website that has like a lot of great therapists um if you're totally new and you have no idea i would Pick a few that you feel like you might connect with well. Um, And think about the dynamic, like male-female dynamic, female-female dynamic. Like everyone kind of prefers something different, I think. And there's always something, you know, for a male opening up, a lot of times they might feel more comfortable to a female. I don't know. It's just it's different for everyone. Um, And then I would call them up and see. I know therapists are booked to the gills right now. I mean, it is really hard to get in. if you happen to find someone that is able to take new clients, I would tell them on the phone, like, well, this is me, too. This is me talking. Everyone's kind of different. But I'm an athlete, and I'm like, let's get to it, you know. Right. Um, tell them what you want to work on, what's going on for you, and be really upfront about it. And ask for, like, a plan. Be like, where are we going with this, you know. Um, because every therapist is kind of different, too. And they want to make sure that they're fitting your needs and they're not going beyond where you're at if that makes sense they don't want to push you too hard and if you're not ready to talk about whatever it is you want to talk about um so i think being very upfront and honest right off the bat is very very helpful okay all right well let's uh let's dive into the athletic side of this uh wes and i i'm sure experienced some i'm sure i'm we are very interested in the cte conversation in yeah. general, just like the, you said, the brain scans and, yeah. you know, some of the deterioration, you know, football is a violent sport. And the yeah. more stuff that we know about it, the more I feel like uh, I'm I'm concerned. You know, there's a real sure. concern about just not about my ability to remember and 
function, but just like, you know, some of the violence conversation that people yeah. are talking about and things like that. Mm-hmm. So I want to get into that, but um, be complete athletics. This is what you do, right? You're yes. talking about, and it's, is it softball specific or do you have, you have some baseball players? Yeah. Okay. So, so myself, I have carry a, a client load. Um, I'm the only one in our, our business, my business that really does that. Okay. Um, my other instructors teach out on the turf, hitting, pitching, mainly pitching. Pitching's always kind of been the driving force, but we're really coming along with the hitting side of things. Um, and I've really set this up like a, pra- like a private practice. So we talk frequently, and we're talking about all the kids that we see, and very much the families, you know, and the parents behind the child that we're seeing. Um, because that drive, like, it's, it's just such a double-edged sword. You see these amazing athletes on TV, OU softball, amazing. Um, and these parents are like, we're going for it. <laughs> we're going to be D1. We're going to play for the Sooners. Right, and, right. and their kid is 10. You right. Know? I um, see it every day. Oh, yeah, And for I sure. have to tell people, I'm like, they're eight. Right. Calm down. Calm down. <laughs> calm down. Um, and it's hard. Like, I get it. You know, um, parents feel like their kiddo is going to get left behind if they're not in lessons however many times a week. Uh, and... There's something to be said there, but at the same time, if your kid's just doing it because mom and dad want to do it, like that, those are the kids that we see, like lose that light and that fire or just feeling very pressured to perform. And it, it's like the burnout happens earlier now, right. you know, you're seeing that more and more. So I really work hard to have that relationship with our parents and hope that they understand that they can talk about that with me. And hopefully we can like find a solution, whatever that is. Um, I've had family therapy sessions in my office, you know, with some of the kids that we teach, um, helping mom and dad understand like where this comes from. So when you bring a family in, you're having these conversations before you see like, this is what we're doing. And when you sign up here, you are actively participating in this conversation. Not necessarily. Okay. They, we are instructors. We kind of have the mental skills piece because for me, mental skills is different than mental health. Okay. So mental skills is more of the mental side of a sport that you need to do to perform, right? Like your pre-pitch routine, if we're talking softball, like getting into the deep breath, focusing, um, a preparation is part of it, you know, like how you prepare. You can't just go through the motions. You have to be very locked in and engaged. Um, we're teaching all of that to our kiddos through the lessons. And when we see a red flag kind of come up, um, I'll call that family and kind of have that conversation uh, about whatever it is, you know, and just kind of see what's going on. And if I can refer to another count, like I have a so many friends that are therapists in the Oklahoma City area that are awesome, and I'll do that. We'll refer them out to a family therapist um, or a PT or whatever the case may be um, as far as whatever they're going through. But I think when they come to Be Complete Athletics, I mean, the name says it, you can't just train the physical side. You know, it, it affects all of it. And if you're dealing with a youth athlete, the parents and the family is a huge part of it. You know, they right. really create kind of like how that child sees the game, how they see failure, how they see themselves. Um, so that's a big part of youth athletics that I think it gets overlooked sometimes. 100%. I see kids every day, and, and it's almost like you can point some of them out, which ones you think are going to burn out early. Yeah. Um, and it's sad that yeah. you see it that young. But yeah. I, I can't imagine how it's going to increase every year and with – you know, all that we have here. I mean, yeah. now we have the places like this, the right. resources, everything's there. And, I mean, everything's being broken every day. There's new yeah. records here and there. So it. people are getting pushed higher and higher and higher. Yeah, which is so cool, right? Yeah. And then at the same time, it's like, where's the balance, you know? Yes. And that's that's what I try. I try to be like the light a little bit <laughs> for some yeah. of our parents. Because when you're in that softball world, I mean, I'm yeah. sure the football world's the same. Like, it's crazy town. Like, well, yeah, I feel like it's less crazy for us than it yeah. is for y'all. Really? Like it, because just school ball was how we did it. And now there's yeah. seven on seven, and there's camps and things that you go to. Sure. But nothing like that, oh, I play casually for my school, but this this 
traveling league yes. is I'm doing 365 and you never stop. Like, football has a season. You know right. what I mean? Yes. Even today, like, we, there's a young man in here, uh, Steel Wassel's working out here at the edge. He's Choctaw's quarterback. Looks like he's going to get a full scholarship to go D1. And, yeah. you know, he's doing seven on seven right now and he's working out here and trying to, but it's still not what softball's like. There is no off season. Like, you're just no. on it. Exactly. All the time. All yeah. the time. And honestly, like. Same thing with soccer. Yeah. Yeah. Soccer's another one. I feel like Oklahoma and a little bit of Texas, like Midwest, we have like kind of an off season because it gets cold and like, you know, we'll go inside and we'll do that sort of thing. But you can't really play tournaments when it's snowing outside. Right. You know? But people in California, Florida, they're playing all the time. Like our, our kids that I, that I see virtually have played four or five tournaments already. Um, and our kids are just now kind of getting outside. So it's it's different a little bit as far as location goes, but not by much. We're getting so um, across the board. The whole country is getting pretty really good at softball. Um, but it's intense. It's very, very intense. So trying to help parents see the light and keep the game in perspective is right. the biggest thing. Keep it in perspective. It is a game. And I go back to COVID a lot, and I'll say, like, hey, the Thunder game got canceled in the middle of the game. Like, we were working. <laughs> we were out on the turf teaching kids, and everyone was like, they canceled the Thunder game because we're right up the street from the stadium or mm -hmm. whatever it's called now, Paycom. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it was a huge deal. Like, yeah. when that happened, I feel like everything just followed. Remember NCAA we were it at our house. Yeah. It's like one of those things. Do you remember where you were at when they canceled the Thunder game? Right. Exactly. While they were on the court. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I'll say that. I'll be like, you, it could be over tomorrow. Like, it's just a game. Right. You know, it's so hard to remember that. So what do you tell – so I've got a 12-year-old stepdaughter. Kenley is brilliant and bright and uh, a dancer yeah. by trade and just now getting into ball sports and just now getting into track, and yeah. she's just kind of trying to figure out what's going to be next for her. Sure. And, um, and I think it's going to be track, and I think it's going to be several different events. So I had her follow, you know, Oregon track and, and mm -hmm. Oklahoma State track and just kind of give her an idea like – you know, what some of the women in the industry are doing and, and what they look like and how they're training and, mm -hmm. you know, just trying to plant seeds, right? And, yeah. and the, the think that the best track athletes in the world, they go to Oregon, you know, and, mm -hmm. and put that on your board as an opportunity. So is that too is that too much to... Yeah, it's so... Man, um, it's You're the tough. parent, Sam. Huh? You're the parent. I probably <laughs> am. But I just remember as a kid, you know, my dad telling me, you know, what do you want to do with this? As, right. You know, when I grew, I finally had my growth spurts in ninth grade. So I went from 5'8", 185 to about 6'2", 250. Wow. And really got a hold of my body in a way that I was running a, you know, a sub 540 and I was 325 pounds. And, like, yeah. it was very clear that I had a chance to to uh, accomplish my goals. But I remember being a little fumbling around eighth grader that didn't, I had no coordination. Sure. Wore a size 16 shoe and I was 5'8". Couldn't walk in a straight line. But my dad telling me. You know, these are the things that you should, you know, want to work towards. And yeah. it was Ohio State football, and it was big things and big goals and big places. And yeah. I almost put it in my head to the point that I didn't understand what it meant to do less than that. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I'm going Division One. I'm going to play Division One football at a high level right. in a big-time conference. Right. There was no other thing in my head. And so I look, and I accomplished that. But yeah. I look back, I guess, to the kid that their parents were telling them that, who doesn't have God's gifts like I did. Exactly. What is that kid thinking? Yeah. And that is exactly where you have this. It, it's like, what do you do? What do you say? Because I think it's awesome to shoot for the stars. I love that the Sooners are killing it. And you have, I mean, those girls are so amazing as far as athletics go. Um, but yeah, when you get to that recruiting age, it's like, and I've had these conversations with kids and parents and teams you sit down and you you compare the numbers so we'll put the numbers up of like home to first this is what a division one athlete not even your top five right just division one this is what these girls are doing grip strength this is what they do you know miles per hour as far as hard as they throw pitching wise overhand and then we'll test them you know and we'll say if you are wanting to go d1 at age 14 you should probably be standing out pretty huge in your high school you know, right. like you should be crushing it. You should yeah. be killing it in high school softball. You should basically around 14, 15, look. Other high schools should be talking about you. Exactly. Right. Exactly. That's you're a big name athlete. Yeah. And and uh, if you're not, that's okay. Right. Right. Maybe here's your division two. Like here's your division two athlete numbers. 
Division Three NAIA. And so that can be tough sometimes because I, I never want to, like, crush a kid's dreams right. either, you know. But helping them be real and understand, like, physicality is a real deal, you know. And Patty Gasso can pick from the best athletes ever. In the world. Just made for right. the sport. Like, Absolutely. they're literally made to do this. Um, and she gets to pick mentality-wise. Like, mentally, they are made to do this also, you know. So there are a lot of pieces that go into recruiting that I think when kids get to that age, they might developmentally be more ready to handle that. It's still a tough conversation for some of them. Um, but helping them be real and still know that what you're doing is good, like what you're doing is awesome. Keep fighting for it. If you're not at the World Series, it doesn't mean you're a failure. Right. Yeah. So it's uh, that, that perspective piece is really important. And I think kids can lose that and parents can lose that real fast real fast <laughs> it's crazy yeah what was your Wes what was your biggest can think think back to the college days give me a moment that you think now at 40 I was probably having a mental health because you went through all the injuries and everything oh, else yeah. like oh yeah my my uh let's see my red shirt freshman year that started like the first seven games of the year and then I got hurt mm-hmm. and watching other people that I'd beat out for that position play that position and I couldn't do anything about it for five or six weeks that yeah it was crazy there was a lot more drinking I'd stop shaving like it was was a mess yeah absolutely so athletes are more prone to binge drinking yeah (laughs) surprisingly you know a lot of drinking it's like for a lot of different reasons and I when I first learned that I was like yeah like go hard or go home is what athletes do right but um but I think it's like you, you have to cope with that somehow, and it's it's hard to go to your coach and talk about some of these, like, insecurities that you might be feeling, right? Because you know what coach wants you to think. You know what you're supposed to think, what you're supposed to say right. to get on that field. So that additional, like, sports psych piece, sports psychology piece, when I was in college, they were just now coming out with the psychological resources for OU student athletes. They called it the pros office. Did they have anything like that for you guys? Absolutely not. Okay. But I sure as hell wish they did. Right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was my junior. I don't know. They might have been around before that. But my junior year is when I went in and, like, talked with them. And I realized, like, I'm having problems. Like, I need help. You know? Um, And that's where, like, having another person that gets sports and gets the pressures and what you're going through and that you want to get out fast. Like, you don't want to be the one that's in therapy forever. Right. You want to be done and let's go. Yeah. Can be so helpful. Just fix it. Yeah. Fix it. I know. I So, I just remember not – my first probably game was the the only time that I remember leaving going, I'm not good. I'm not okay right now. So, I – I just got – I mean, I'd never given up a sack or a tackle for loss in high school. Yeah. Getting my first college game, guy goes down, gets hurt, and a future NFL first-round pick beat me like I stole something. Yeah. Legitimately hurt me, broke some stuff. I gave up three sacks. I remember my uh, my father told me in a voicemail to have the uh, the trainers take my his name off my jersey. Oh, my, my coach, My coach tells me – uh, and I hated my offensive line coach. You know, th- th- these guys today, uh, I had the pleasure of listening to Miguel Chavez co- um, speak the other day. OU's one of their new uh, mm-hmm. assistants, defensive end coach. And he said, if you're not 50% psychologist as a coach today, you're just not doing it right. Oh, yeah. And, you know, that hit home to me because my coach looked at me on that Sunday and said, did you try to lose that game for us? And I'm thinking, do you think that that's the best thing I need to hear right now? Yeah. As I'm 19 years old, I shouldn't have been in the game in the first place, physically or mentally. Right. And I just got really messed up, you know. Yeah. And it just, I remember thinking, well, you know, the, the old things that we were always told, you're better than this. Be, be better than this. Right. Don't be a, you know what, Sam. You know, and I'm like mm-hmm. talking to myself, walking across the street from Bennett Hall with tears in my eyes because I, I didn't want to watch the film on that Sunday yeah. because I knew what that was going to be like. My offensive line Horrible. coach just calling me out play after play. What are you doing here? And that's exactly what it was, you know, for two and a half hours of that. And that was probably the hardest moment in my career um, as far as just when I thought I was having a mental health, like, like what am I, am I even supposed to be here? Right. Like, <clears throat> I thought I was going to be great at this. And I go in there and just – don't it's a, I'm a no show. Yeah. You know, I had a kid on campus ask me if anything was wrong with my hands. And I was like, Gosh. no, oh. he's like some regular dude. He was like, is something wrong with your hands? Right. And I was like, no, 
And he goes, well, why didn't you use them on Saturday? That happened to me oh at the, on, the, on campus. Awesome. And I'm just like, I'm having a real crisis yeah. you know, that week. And, I, you know, I, I pushed through it and, and uh, found a way to overcome it, you know, just working hard. But it took months, you know, for me to get settled back in where I got that confidence back, probably to that next spring, honestly. Yeah. Like that next spring, my junior, my red shirts, sophomore spring, I guess, I would say it was when I gained the confidence that I needed to kind of get back out there and go compete because I was messed up for months after that. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that can be like traumatic for an athlete, you know, it, it really can. And I think, gosh, you, you guys were football players. And so you're like the gladiators of the school. Right. And, and I feel like the student population, it might be different now, but I don't know. They, they, it's almost entertainment for them. Like, you know, they don't understand like that's a 19 year old boy. You right. know, and yeah. our our brains are not even done developing yet until we're more like 24, 25. So there's so much happening, like when that happens to you and athletes that have so much success in high school, which are a lot of your D1s, then they get to college and get their butt kicked, you right. know, which is so typical. Like we know that now, but when you're a kid and you expect yourself to do those things right. and it doesn't happen, it can literally like shake your world, which yeah. is exactly what trauma does. So it's, it's crazy because it can be so minimized so quickly, like get over it. You know, what, it, what are you crying about kind of thing, which can in itself be traumatic. So <laughs> it's like, there's all these things happening and you're dealing with a young brain, like a teenage brain too, um, which interprets things so differently and affects the ways that it grows. So right. that is tough, really tough. I think that now in 2022, when you hear Miguel Chavez said what he said at that press conference, mm -hmm. I think across the board in big time collegiate athletics and professional sports, there is an emphasis put on mental health. Yeah. I think the thing that I'm probably more concerned about is youth right here at the edge. You yeah. saw the young people working out <laughs> behind us here. You know, there's still a bunch of coaches out there that, you know, oh my gosh. aren't necessarily trying to have that conversation. Mm -hmm. And and probably more so because they're like me and don't know how to have that conversation. Yeah. And how to separate, right. you know, oh, you're just not – I don't want to say being you're you know the th you're being soft versus you're having a real problem. You know what I mean? Like, right, right. like what is the, what is there a difference? What is the difference? How do you distinguish the difference? You yeah. know, like yeah. it's just tough. It's really really hard. Um, for me, I encourage parents to let your kids play a lot of sports, like as many as they can. You yeah. know, it's not it's okay to play more than one sport. And I feel like they, especially once you get to high school, I played two sports in high school and I loved it. It was amazing. I, we played, I'm from Dallas originally. So in the fall I was playing volleyball and in the spring I was playing softball. I was practicing softball all the time. Like when I got home from volleyball practice and things, but having that other sport was so huge for me because if I was struggling in softball, I could go play volleyball. Like I'm athletic, man. Like right. I don't even practice the sport and I'm good. Like, I'm athletic and it kind of helps you have confidence and in, in your athletic ability alone. But when all you do is one sport and you're 12, 13, 14, and that sport is not going well for you and you got mom and dad on your back or coach on your back, right. it's like everything I do is bad. I'm not good at anything. Like, why do I want to do this? I that makes there sense. Was bad seasons. And I was like, I can't wait for basketball yeah. to be over or this or football or whatever. <laughs> well, I couldn't wait for it to be over to go to the next sport. And, yeah. Right. Just a fresh start. And yeah. just to be, I guess, just the, the ability to be on a different team and play a different role. Like, we were always going to be leaders on the football field or on the softball field. Mm -hmm. You know, but to just go be a member of a team in another sport probably would have been nice. I didn't play any other sports. Oh, really? Like, I played yeah. soccer up to a point where it was like, well, are you going to blow something out? Let's focus on football. Yeah. And I just focused on football. But I missed soccer as I got into high school. And, yeah. And because it was just – it was so much fun. Those dudes are just different. Soccer players yeah. are just different compared to – you know, yeah, football players are just, it's always a lean in. Like, always. You walk around with a lean. Mm -hmm. uh, soccer was, uh, you know, it's a beautiful game. It's a little less aggressive uh, off the the field, you yeah. know. And so I, I think I missed that. And I, I at 40, I can say that. At 18, I didn't realize I no that idea. I missed it like that, you know, and for the reasons why I missed it. Sure. But that's the other part is you can benefit from maybe your natural sport or your best sport, whatever that is. Mm -hmm. You can benefit from that from the other sports. Yeah. Like, same with me. I played soccer all the way up, and then my sports I was actually good at or whatever was track and, and football. Mm -hmm. But all the running and soccer 
made me a better football player. It gave me better footwork for in the ring when it, in my throws and yeah. in, in field. So I want them to go do all that. I wish I could have wrestled, but I was too heavy to make heavyweight. Yeah. So right. we yeah. did, it wasn't an option, but I wish I could have because sure. I see how much those guys benefit from it when yeah. they were playing football, and I'm sure there's plenty of other sports. Yeah. I, I mean, in the culture, like you said, like it, these players are just – they're kind of different than my own – football players or softball players or whatever it's so good for kids to feel that and see that and it doesn't have to be two sports maybe you're in piano or something you know something yeah, else just something else something else that yeah. you can be invested in and feel confident in can really help you all the way around um and i see that more and more younger and younger and younger like we're going softball like what if she doesn't like softball right <laughs> like what if yeah. she turns around and says like i don't like this anymore what are you gonna do um, but I do see a lot of kids, like, they almost feel the pressure to play from mom and dad because maybe mom played softball or dad played baseball, and it's like that weird, well, I'm supposed to do this too, you know. And we'll have conversations, and I'll tell them, and parents will tell them, like, well, I told them if they don't want to play, they can say it at any time, you know. But that message of, like, we want you to play, you know, is still kind of there. Like, you're in all the lessons, you're doing all the things, you're going to all the games. So it, it's really hard for kids to speak up sometimes. It's tough. Yeah, I, don't, I think it'll be the opposite for my kids. My son's like, I'm playing football. And I'm like, you better eat meat because you're a little fella. <laughs> <laughs> kind of slight. So, uh, and then it's the, it's the opposite with my daughter. She asked uh, her mom the other day why she can't play football. So it's the opposite oh. with her. Now, that thing is I think she could play football. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. She's built like well, that. And, so. and tough as nails, too. There's yeah. no doubt about that. All right. Well, is there what have we missed anything as far as the uh, you know I, I kind of wanted to get into some uh, well-known athlete conversations. Sure. Okay, um, Simone Biles in the Olympics this year she steps down and doesn't perform. Mm-hmm. Um, I was not thrilled about that and had a hard time understanding like what what are we talking about here? Like, give me. Fifty uh, percent Simone Biles over anybody else in the world. Oh yeah. Why? What do you mean you're not going to compete for your team? You know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I so I struggled with that. And and you don't. And I said I think I just said literally what I said just now and got crucified oh, yeah. on publicly for it. Like on social media, people calling to the radio station. They're upset with me for having that opinion. Like find find a way to 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 push through it. And so I know now that that was probably the wrong thing to say. But I guess you know I'm still kind of like how do you how do you how do you approach you just have to trust that the the athletes that telling us what they're telling us is the truth like mm-hmm. they're just that's just where they're at right yeah it's uh I when that happened I was kind of like in it really and then I hadn't really thought about it for a while so I I looked at it a little bit today and all the stories and just kind of googled recent recent stuff about that event. And I looked through it, and I didn't see a lot of, like, the media talking about her. I mean, she was involved in that abuse case right. with Larry Nassar. I mean. That's and, a huge deal. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Yeah. You know? And it, and the trauma. <laughs> like, I can't even. She's an amazing human being. Like, amazing. And so when something like that happens, and that's, like, very extreme, and you have teammates that have gone through it you're trying to protect teammates or like wondering why people aren't standing up for you, you know, and it's all around your sport, you know? So she's, I'm assuming here, I don't know, but I could assume that she's probably feeling triggers left and right, you know? And when it comes to trauma, your body remembers it, right? Like it's a physical response. So if we're talking like, I feel like Stereo, I guess stereotypically, if you want to say, we talk about veterans a lot when you think about trauma because they're in battle, like it's life or death, right? Um, and two guys or, or people can experience the same event and one's traumatized from it and the other's not. Right. You know, because we're just so different and maybe one experienced childhood trauma and the other didn't. If you experience childhood trauma, you're more prone to trauma in adulthood. Um, anyways when your body is going through that flight or fight response, you know, you start to sweat, your heart rate rises and your body locks up and like remembers that, you know? So the yips, it's so funny. Have you guys heard about the yips? Oh yeah. Obviously. Yeah. We've all had (laughs) them. Yes. We've all had them, right? On the golf course, (laughs) man, I know. 
And uh, it's so funny because I, I look at that and there's there's more theories coming out that they could be in certain cases related to like a trauma that you experience in sports, whether it's something as extreme as what she experienced or not saying what you experienced wasn't um, extreme, but like that was bad, you know, right. um, mm-hmm. or just being so down on yourself and feeling like humiliated for not performing. Right. Um, your body remembers that. And then all of a sudden you have this like little um, unexplained movement in your body when you're trying to just do an everyday routine throw to the pitcher or whatever kind of thing. So I have no idea if that's what's going on for her, but trauma is so real and your body does remember those things. And so if you're a gymnast <laughs> that's like flipping through the air right, and could land on your neck and like who knows what, right? Um, we just don't know what's going on for her. So, right. so when I saw that and I was like, oh my gosh, this poor kid, she went through all that too. Like, do what you got to do, kid, you know, absolutely take care of yourself. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. It's just a game, even though it is an Olympic right. event, like the huge, biggest stage biggest in sports. Ever, yeah. Like yeah. that has to say a lot as to what she was going through. Like it had to be pretty rough. Absolutely. I mean, we all know that she kind of went out there with like a leg injury and still mm-hmm. won, mm-hmm. but I mean, it had to be something brutal. And I think we all know somebody that was affected childhood trauma in some way shape or form and see how they've came up a little different life Mm -hmm. a little different path than most um but so i mean once you factor all that in and i mean she was raised by her grandparents and everything i mean there was a lot of factors going on with her yeah but it was just you know as an american it hurt so bad but it was like you know with guys like me and him i I felt the same way at that time i didn't know i was like yeah, and that's you know? the thing. That's what I mean. Like, it's easy to be like, God, you're in the Olympics. Come on. Yeah, you know? like you're there. Get you're there smell. right there. Get some smelling salts and wake her <laughs> yeah, up. Absolutely. Okay. Throw some yeah. dirt on that sucker and let's go. Yeah, yeah. and she's yeah. so good. Like, she's so good. But but it's when you really look, and that's that's all we know, too. Like, we don't really know the ins and outs and, like, how she really goes through things and, and what's going on with her. It it makes sense, you know, to me. It makes sense. Um you just don't know what people are going through. And and if it's just a game versus you, like, you know, maybe she goes in and she messes up and then she has this huge traumatic, like, thing to have to deal with or the whole world watching, right, because she wasn't mentally ready. Um, I get that, you know. And if it was a trigger that came up and all of a sudden who knows what's going on for her. I mean, I can't imagine. Uh, I cannot imagine. What do you What do you think about the gender conversation in mental health? I find that society more forgiving to women in this conversation mm-hmm. than men. And men, you know, I, I was on Facebook, and, which I got to get rid of Facebook. It's too much. It's too, <laughs> too much. Too much happening on the Facebook. <laughs> too many different, there, too many characters where people can just say some real throw it off stuff. Yeah. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm, and somebody was talking about it, a, you know, it was a guy talking about how people don't care about his mental health, mm-hmm. how he's just supposed to go to work and, and, you know, be the man and do the man things. And, and no one has ever asked him how he feels about things. So why should he care? You know, and it was just like, I feel that a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. like you do feel just that um, you feel the pressure, societal pressure, you know, as a man to not let your mental health impact you on a regular basis yeah. outwardly. Right. No matter what's happening on the inside, well, I'm going to get up and I'm going to go to work and I'm going to do the things that I'm supposed to do as the man of this house, that, that type of conversation. Absolutely. Uh, and I feel like that's a worst case scenario for a lot of people today uh, is just hiding it. Right. Like that's the last thing you want to do. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, I cannot, there's this great book. Oh, it's called, it's called, I don't want to talk about it. Unlocking male depression, something like that. Anyways, this, this, I can't remember the guy's name that wrote it. I'll have to look at it. But according to him, his theory is that basically all men are like (laughs) semi-depressed because I know like covertly a little bit depressed because of that. Yeah. Because you can't be open and talk about things. We all love to argue about stuff and I'm sure for a lot of us, I mean, that's depressing. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it just makes sense. I don't know any guy that doesn't bitch about something. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. And same with most women that I know. Some of them I don't know that well, so haven't heard that. But, yeah, every guy I've ever met, yeah. yeah. There's something there. Yeah. You, so, 
I, you know, and it's hard, it's hard to say. Um, <laughs> He's just like, are you talking, point at me? Oh, oh yeah, I'm all messed up. There. There's no doubt about that. We're both, 100%. we're there together. Yes, 100%. Yeah, it's just, it's like you go through so many things in life, and if it's not like societally acceptable for you to talk about it or say like, I'm taking a mental health day, you know, that's got to be tough, right? And then you can't ever really talk about it. So, right. you know, the statistics say that women are more likely to be depressed or experience anxiety than men. And I think maybe there's something to that in some way, shape, or form, like the more I look at brain scans and that sort of thing. But, but also women, it's like more okay for them to talk about it. And when you talk about something, the shame part of it goes away. Right. right. And that shame like is just increased by silence. So when we don't talk about something and it's just stuck in our brains and we're just ruminating over it over and over and over again, the shame increases. And if you can't ever talk about it, then you go to drinking or whatever else you need to, you know, have to, to cope with this. Um, and then you look at the suicide rates and men are much higher in committing suicide than women so there's got to be something to that for sure and I think it's absolutely true in the culture like if we're talking sports um I'm curious today like I just don't really know what the culture is like like around these teams and collegiate teams for for the guys um I feel like I could always go to coach Gasso and talk to her she was very open you know um and then we had the the psychological resources come in that was like a huge huge benefit for me and resource for me um, but I'm really curious now, like how, what the culture's like, like, has it changed a lot? Does it, do guys feel like they can talk to their coach about those things or whatever? Well, I think if you look nationally right now, when you got voices like Michael Phelps, Kevin Love, DeMar DeRozan's been very public about his mental health struggles. Sure. Calvin Ridley as in the news here lately, lately with the gambling situation, yeah. he was on sabbatical because of a uh, mental health conversation. I think the more, um, athletes, you know, people that they these guys are titans, right? Michael Phelps mm -hmm. is a titan in our eyes. When he comes out and says that, I think it might be a little more acceptable for uh, Sam and Wes and Joe, mm -hmm. you know, for us to, to maybe feel more comfortable and confident in uh, that conversation also. So I, I respect all these guys, you know, and, and for the conversation that they're having, it's, it's really the only way, right, for us to kind of get past this stigma here is to just be more open about it. Yeah, for sure. And when I would love it to happen more often, with players that are actually playing like right now, you know, not waiting till their career is over till. And I think some have, I'm not sure of the exact names, but that would be huge because when your sport is your everything and something goes wrong, it's, it's bad news, you know, and being able to talk about that's huge. So yeah. I would love to see Antonio Brown get some help. Talk 100%. to somebody. Right. Mm -hmm. Like this. I mean, that's pretty much your poster child right there. I mean, there's been other people, but it, and it may not be something. He may not be crazy. He may just have some stuff going on. Yeah. Like, uh, who was the receiver, Brandon? Something he always had. Marshall, maybe. He oh. always had stuff going on. You talking about the with the play for the Patriots, the uh, Baylor he, kid with yeah. all the weed charges? Oh, gee, well, not. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure he had some stuff. Yeah, I think Brandon on, Marshall's also another one that had yeah, some. Yeah, and it was kind of documented. But at that point when he played and it was documented that he had mental health issues, everybody was like, oh, he's probably schizophrenic or something. Mm -hmm. Like, they don't know that he might have just been, you know, going yeah. through some normal stuff. Yeah, and, and like getting there before it's like, you know, a crisis. You know, like, and that's what I think. I think about Simone Biles, like, Maybe she was avoiding a huge crisis, yeah. you know, and, and we have no idea until like if we could go back in time and maybe she didn't say anything and then maybe we would know. Um, I think, oh, I wrote this down on mine. Katie Meyer. Yeah, golly, that's what that's next to my list here too. Yeah. Broke my heart. Yeah. Katie Meyer was the captain of the Stanford <laughs> uh, soccer team. And here last week, I believe, or maybe the week last before week, last yeah. week, they found her dead in her dorm room. Uh, apparently of, of, of a suicide and you know her parents and I wrote down the quote here um, she said you know the parents said the it's the anxiety the, the anxiety and pressure to be perfect uh, to be the best you know is, is what got to her but they they've told you know like no signs they would have never guessed yeah. you know that this was even a possibility they spoke to her on the phone that day and this story freaks me the hell out yeah 
Are you kidding? I got five kids. All all five of them are different. All five of them handle stress differently. All five mm-hmm. of them have wants and hopes and dreams and goals and all those things. And I stare at their little faces and I'm wondering what's going through their heads. They go about their everyday life, which is significantly more difficult than what we experienced at 12. Oh, yeah. Signip- the internet has just ruined childhood. Like, these kids oh, yeah. have just got... No, it's it's the most... I, I We had things in common with our grandparents. The way that you were raised and the way that you were raised. And the, mm-hmm. Our grandparents all could have said, I did those things too, right? We can't say that about our own kids. Yeah. My Our own children can ask Alexa anything under the sun, and right. does. Yeah, I hear some weird stuff coming out of that kid's room. Right. Yeah, it's a different time, and so Katie Meyer's story is one that I'm sure there's hundreds of these around the country every year of de- yeah. people that are devastated. We had one in my high school, in my senior year, a kid on our football team killed himself, and. We were all just like, we would have never guessed, you know, what they were going through. What do you say to the parents out there that, you know, have kids that are at this level? You know, for once you get past the will Johnny or Susie play D1, and once you realize they're on that path, how do you keep them, yeah. you know, keep keep your tap as, as mom and dad? You know, how yeah. do we stay in the know? Oh, man. I think creating a culture within your family of being able to talk about things and that you don't have to be perfect, right? Like giving permission to fail is huge. And so I, I look at that story and I'm like, man, she was at Stanford. They had just come off a national championship, you know, like right. killer captain student, of the team. captain of the team, yes. crushing it. And, and it's like, if one, and that was her world, like to be that person, I'm assuming, I don't know, but I'm just like people like her. Um, and if something goes wrong for a perfectionist, like I think in our society, perfectionism is almost um, like we see it as a good thing. We're like, oh, they, they're a perfectionist. Awesome. You know, when it's it's really like can be devastating. <laughs> like yeah. speaking as a former well recovering, I'll say a perfectionist for sure. Um, when that one thing goes wrong, you are nothing. It's all or nothing thinking and looking out for those sorts of statements like, well, if I'm not the best, I'm nothing. You know, right. Um, things like that really be on the lookout for. And if you hear those things, be like, hey, girl, that's not true. <laughs> that's not true at all. Um, and catch them in the moment and really go through that and process that with them and say, did you hear what you just said? Like, let's let's really talk about that, because you may be the best here in Oklahoma, but you know how many other people are playing your sport? Like, yeah. you're never going to be the best. Right. Yeah. And that's OK. You know, I remember because I that was my biggest problem in in college sports. Like I literally came in as a freshman and expected myself to be perfect in every way. And when it, of course, didn't happen and got my butt kicked, you know, like every freshman does, (laughs) uh, I thought I was nothing. Like and I and that was my identity. Like that was who I was. So these kids starting younger and at one sport, you know, and on social media, I mean, some of this, the conversations I have with my clients that are in high school, one thing goes bad for them, right? And then they pull up their TikTok, and the play is right there. And everyone at their high school saw it. And, they, and it's like, what do you do? Like, oh, my gosh, you know? So really looking at failure as something that is part of it. And if you don't think you're failing, like, I was failing in high school. Like, there were times where I made mistakes, but I just didn't see it or I didn't think about it. It wasn't, like, a huge deal, you know? Um, Looking at those. And as parents saying, like, I totally messed that up. Oh, well, I'll recover. You know, and, like, making that obvious example for our kids to see can be really helpful, too. Um, But, yeah, it's it's tough. Perfectionism is not a good thing. You know, (laughs) thinking back on it, it it seems like there needs to be a whole army just for incoming freshmen, especially the ones that do redshirt. Yeah. I mean, that was strange. Oh, yeah, yeah, the redshirt year. I was like, what? I I was like, I don't get to play? Yeah. (laughs) What the hell's going on here? Right. What do you want me to do with myself now? Yeah. I was like, every team I was on, I played my team and moved up and played with the older kids. I was like, now I can't play with the older kids? Yeah. I'm this guy? Yeah. (laughs) I'm this guy. For sure. For sure. Yeah. And talking about the social media piece. And now, like, you know, your your big-time high school athletes, they're getting 
some time on ESPN. You know, like, yeah. they're all over. The media coverage is insane. And that's a piece that, like, your professional athletes typically were the only ones talking about or dealing with those pressures. I and would now have we've lost got my mind. And I, like, I was so deathly shy. If all that would have showed up yeah. when I was coming, I would have lost my mind. Uh, yeah. I, it's I like, no really way. crazy. It's really adding a whole – I mean, I feel like we're in the Wild West with yeah. social media and, like, what to do with it, how to deal with it with young kids. So I'm curious to know how – are you a football fan? Are you football? I Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So during this season, Spencer Rattler comes – Spencer Rattler shows up to the University of Oklahoma as the world's greatest quarterback, right? <laughs> this is what people are saying about this kid. He's got this reality show – He's bigger than life already. Mm -hmm. NIL hits. He's got cars. He's got money. He's got mm -hmm. all these things. Then he gets benched. Mm -hmm. OU fans call for the other kid, right? They're out there chanting Caleb, uh, Caleb Williams' name while he's playing. Ow. And I'm sitting there in the press box thinking to myself, what exactly is going through his head? And does he have the necessary tools to deal with this? And so with, with the social media craziness, do – are these kids more resilient to those things now than we would have been back then? I yeah. can't imagine what it have been like having somebody chant somebody and, else's name. Get and to now get. they can transfer, and that yeah. wasn't really an option for us. Mm -hmm. So that might be a little bit of relief for them, but it's still, yeah. I couldn't imagine. Yeah. So were you just thinking that poor kid the whole time that he <laughs> went through that deal? I don't know. Like, it's hard because it's – it's such a weird thing watching sports as a fan, too, because then you're like, well, cool, Caleb's coming. <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah no, I completely, you know. I was like, I'm sure, not going to yeah. chant Caleb, but, yeah. but if he comes in, I'm going to cheer for right. him because yes. I'm an athlete. Sure. I, can't, I can't just yell somebody else. I, I yeah. guess it's wrong. Oh, yeah, no, 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 I, for sure. And it's got to be hard for him because, he, you know, he had everything lined up, like you said, and, and it's like, how do you recover from that? And then it's, you know, then there's that stigma, like, for him, like specifically for him, like football player, quarterback, oh, you, like what is he supposed to do? You know, yeah. and hopefully he does. I know that they – I mean – Sure. Yeah. Yeah. All the things. Yeah. And and I hope that they – I'm sure that they did. But like like I said, the pros office at OU is awesome. And I know it's still there. And, and hopefully they're in contact with them on a regular basis to avoid any sort of like crisis. Like I said, you know, you just, you just don't know. A lot of times those – those Katie Myers do come out like, wow, we had no idea. Yeah, I'm um, I'm blown away by it. This has been a great conversation. Thank you so much for this. Yeah, I really do appreciate it. Absolutely. Um, I think that we probably need to talk to you at least once a quarter. <laughs> I mean, I love you it. know, or like when new things come out in the conversation or yeah. a situation like Katie Myers happens, like I think it'll be okay she to bring normal back. Yeah, and just <laughs> yeah, bring you in. Let's have let's just keep the conversation going. Let's keep it open. I think it's important. I yeah, really do. Absolutely, I would love it. I would one, love it for sure. One more question for yeah. everybody out there that's also too afraid to ask. So anything that they talk about with these therapists. Can that incriminate them? <laughs> oh, good Lord. Well, the, the <laughs> Is that the doctor-patient deal, right? or does that apply there? <laughs> Unless you're in immediate harm to yourself or someone else. As long as you're not going to, like, hurt or <laughs> injure anybody, right? Right. Things in the past, that's cool. <laughs> Just in case. That's cool. Yeah. I'm not talking about me in general, but <laughs> I know there are some people that are probably thinking some. I'd like to talk to somebody, but. Oh, There's yeah. There's weird things. I've got weird things to say. I'm just going to admit <laughs> yeah, that. Yes, yeah. 100%. That uh, confidentiality piece is big for yeah, sure. Just that, trying to reach the full audience, you know. Sure. Like everybody yeah. out there know. Absolutely. There's somebody you can talk to. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's more of like an imminent threat. So if it's like, and you know what, I'll have to look up the rules if you want to be serious. Like, look at like past, I don't know, violent crimes or something. Hopefully that's not going on, but... But even, you know, everyone needs someone to talk to, for sure. And so I'm happy to help research and figure out the, the ins and outs of that. Let's <laughs> come in and talk about your problems and not your diabolical plan. <laughs> yes. Okay. Right. Fantastic. Fair. <laughs> Good stuff. Nick Dennis, this is, a, uh, this is a pleasure. Thank you so much. I yeah, appreciate your time. Yeah, Nick is a former Sooner softball pitcher, licensed professional counselor, and owner of Be Complete Athletics. I am interested in Be Complete Athletics, so I will make sure to uh, post some things up on my social media, retweet, and yeah. all the Instagram and all that stuff so people out there can find a way to get a hold of you. Yeah. What's the best way right now, just through... 
Instagram is great. Okay. We're on Facebook too. Um, at Be Complete Athletics, I'm always on that one all the time. And then I'm also at Coach Nick Dennis on Instagram. I'm on that more than my Facebook. Um, I'm on Twitter, but more as like a like a just watching <laughs> yeah. stuff. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> There's yeah. so much to see. Yeah, I'm like yeah, um, and I don't really tweet much, but I'll I probably need to get on that. So I don't really my Twitter name's like my dog's name, Scooter. So, anyways, <laughs> you know, cool. just so I can creep on stuff. Awesome. That's, well, we appreciate your time today, and uh, this conversation was great. Obviously, we're all pro Sooner softball here. Uh, hopefully, those ladies will go. Are they going to go undefeated, you think? Man, I mm. hope so. They were close last year. I, I do – this is what I was going to say about Jocelyn. I hope it happens in Hawaii. Her oh, home run. I hope cool. it happens yeah. at home, absolutely. But they just – they're going to Hawaii, and I feel like it's going to happen there, which – is like the next best place for her. Yeah. Um, that would be amazing. But but if we could hold out till home, that would be even better. But uh, I want it to happen for her soon. So. See, I just <laughs> yeah. want her to just destroy it. Oh like, yeah. Get it over and get the and next keep 40. it rolling. Like, so they let's quit. Just, I know. Let's get weird with it. Pitch to her. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> just. What do you think the psychological impact of like not being allowed to pitch to her is? I'd be uh, madder than hell if someone said I couldn't throw the ball at that. Oh, girl. for like, sure. Get, I, I want to give my best and see what I can yeah. do against her. You know, and why if not? If somebody is not good and wants to be famous. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. could be You're the yeah. one. forever You're the on one. TV. Yeah. I know. It's it's probably like holding some, you know, hold me back, hold me back. Like, yeah. I can't even imagine those those pictures because I'd want to go for it, too. And if she gets me, she gets me. It's right. Jocelyn Allo, you know? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's she's just as cool to say she was right there. Yeah. Bottom of the ninth, bases were loaded. She couldn't do it. <laughs> yeah, and I exactly. threw it across the plate at least exactly. once. That would be huge. <laughs> right. That would be awesome. I agree 100%. Very cool. All right. We're going to let you go. I can do this all night with you. Uh, but once again, thank you so much, Nick yeah. Dennis, the Sam Mays Podcast. This is 40 edition. Uh, we'll bring you back, and we'll talk a little bit more about yeah. mental health as soon as we can. Awesome. Thank right. you so Have much for having one. me. Thank you.